Well, I wanted to, before we dive into the message, uh, I wanted to give you a little bit of an update, share some pretty cool news with you. Uh, many of you have been around here the last few weeks, over the last eight weeks or so, uh, and we've been in the middle of a campaign, and uh, we've been under construction, obviously. Uh, the drywall dust is still imminent and everywhere. And uh, we've been pushing walls out and pushing walls back and trying to find more room around here. And we had this audacious God-sized goal when we first uh, launched into this campaign uh, of $250,000 uh, to be able to expand what God is doing here and to increase uh, all of the ministry that happens here, you know, on Sundays and all throughout the week. And I wanted to tell you uh, that as of today, we as a church have reached that goal. We have raised $250,000, which is so amazing. And I just wanted to say to you, well done, church. Well done. You have been generous, and you have given of your time and your resources, and you have invested into what God is doing here. And truly, as we said from the very beginning, this is an only God story, and I believe that it is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And so, well done. It's exciting to see what God is doing. Well, I want to pray for us, and uh, we're going to continue on in our series of uh, the new rules for relationships, and we're going to look at conflict tonight. So I think we need a lot of prayer, okay? So let's pray. God, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for how you're moving. Thank you for how you are providing. Thank you for all the ways that you are growing our hearts in our relationship with Brown Elementary. You're growing our hearts for um, this neighborhood. And God, we want to become more of the people that you created us to be. God, we want to transform. We want to be like your son, Jesus. And God, we humbly come before you right now and just say that oftentimes one of the most difficult places for us to be like your son Jesus is when we face conflict, when we face tension. And so, God, I want to ask that you would take my words tonight and that they would be your words. I want to ask that you would take the, the thoughts that I've prepared here, God, from your word um, and let them be your thoughts here tonight. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would, would speak and minister and, and challenge and um, draw us closer to you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, I thought as we start out tonight that I, I would actually start with a little bit of a confession, okay? We're in church. It's a good place to make confessions, right? So I thought I would start out with a little bit of a confession. Uh, one of the things that many people don't actually know about me is that I, I have a fairly competitive streak in me. Now, I, I know you're all looking at me saying, you know, she's so shy and so unassuming, that's so shocking, right? Um, I know. I know what you're thinking. Um, but it's true. It's true. I, I have a bit of a competitive streak inside of me, and um, I don't necessarily see this as a problem in my life. The people that continue to lose to me, they see it as a problem in my life. Um, but I like to win, and um, I like to win at whatever I'm playing. In fact, there are certain games now really every game, now that Jared will not play with me. Um, he just refuses to engage in any kind of game. Now, I think it's because 
he knows he's going to lose. Um, and really, honestly, you know, I just think the issue is more around him being a sore loser than me being a great winner. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I love to win. Uh, in fact, there was one time I was playing a game of Monopoly with some friends and um, I won the game because um, this is what I do. And, um, and a person came up to me after the game, we we're putting things away and they were like, I just need to ask you a question. Are you sure you're a Christian? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure I'm a Christian. I'm just a winner, you know? And, um, you know, it's a small issue in my life. I like to win. This is, you know, it's it's something I'm working through. Uh, And and I'm competitive and uh, and I like sports and and I like opportunities to compete. And in almost every sport or board game or competition, there's always a set of rules, right? There's like the rule book, and all of the players are asked to follow the rules in order for the game to work and and for someone to eventually, you know, be crowned as as the winner. In in this case, it's usually me. And, and, And really, the thing is, is that there's no winner without rules, right? And when someone breaks the rules or cheats in the game, everyone knows it because everyone's following the same set of rules, right? And we've all known, you know, athletes that have literally lost their entire career. Their their career was stripped of them because they didn't follow the rules. Rules are important. And when you break the rules, it changes the game. In fact, I have often thought that when it comes to relationships, the majority of conflicts and problems that we face, I believe could be solved if everyone followed the same set of rules. If we all had the same set of rules, our conflicts would be solved much quicker. But we expect to win in our conflicts without even following the same set of rules. And if you're anything like me, you want the people that, you, that you're fighting with or that you're in a conflict with or that you're struggling with, you want them to go off of your rule book, don't you? The problem is, is there's millions of different rule books, especially when it comes to conflict. And while there's all different kinds of rule books, most of us, at the end of the day, we don't like conflict. Even though we know there's all different kinds of rules when it comes to conflict, most of us, we want to stay as far away from it as possible. I mean, no one ever really described themselves with a bio that read like, you know, I like coffee, I like taking long walks on the beach, and I really enjoy engaging in sharp disagreements that result in emotional disturbance. (laughs) No one has ever said that about themselves. But here's the sobering reality, and in some ways even the sobering unifier for us here tonight. Every one of us has experienced conflict. Every one of us has responded to conflict. And every one of us has been affected by conflict in our lives, haven't we? We've all experienced it. We've responded to it. And we've been affected by conflict. In fact, my hunch is I'm not even two to three minutes into this message right now, and you are already thinking about a person. You're already thinking about maybe even a group of people that maybe you're in the middle of a conflict with or or you've been in a conflict with them in the past. And you might already be feeling 
those feelings that come when we start to process a conflict. You see, conflict makes us feel anxious, doesn't it? Conflict is stressful, and oftentimes it's stressful because we can't see how we're going to successfully resolve the conflict. We want things to be fine again, but we don't know how to get there. We want things to be fair, but it is very rare that both people define fair as the same thing, right? So when when things aren't fine and when things aren't fair, there's all sorts of things that we start to do to dance around the tension instead of dancing with it. And maybe none of us really knows the rules to fighting well, but we all sort of have learned roles along the way when it comes to conflict, haven't we? Like We may not all play off of the same rule book, but we've sort of learned some roles that we adopt when it comes to conflict along the way. Maybe, you know, when it, when it comes to conflict, you tend to be a bit of, of the avoider when it comes to conflict, right? A conflict pops up, there's a tension going on, something's difficult, and, you know, somebody says, you know, hey, is, is everything okay? Are we all right? Is everything okay? And you're like, oh, yeah, totally. Totally, it's fine, really. No, it's fine. And you're the avoider, right? You're the one that's like, no, totally. Everything's fine. It's going to be fine. We're all going to be okay. Then, then there's the accommodator. Maybe you've met this kind of person. And they're not necessarily the one that, you know, is saying everything's fine. They're the one asking if everything's okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Really? No. Come on. We're okay? You okay? Come on. Is everybody okay? Everybody's okay? They're, they're the kind of person that likes to get everybody in a circle, right? They like to go around. You Okay. You okay? Everybody okay? Everybody okay? You know, they're like, all the dogs, all the cats, you okay? You know, like, and then at the end, they're like, let's all sing a song. Let's hold some hands, right? You know, and they're the accommodator, right? They just want everyone to be okay. Then there's the attorney. Maybe you've met this person. Maybe, maybe you've seen this role uh, when it comes to conflict. And the attorney is, you know, everything is fine, right? Because I'm going to make sure it's fine. You see, I've got a case. I'm going to argue that case. I've got some facts. I'm going to call in some witnesses to prove my point. And if necessary, I've got a judge sitting here, and they're going to rule in my favor, right? I mean, this is the attorney that, you know, that enters into the conflict, right? M- maybe you've met that person. Maybe you are that person. Then there's the stuffer. I don't know if you've ever seen the stuffer. But the stuffer is you know, like, nope, it's fine, really. It's fine. You know, and the stuffer is, is really good at two, two, like, physical responses, right? The stuffer's gotten really good at rolling their eyes, you know? The person that just sort of stuffs it down, they just sort of roll their eyes deep into their head. They're really good at the, the arm crossing. No, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. I'm fine. Stop asking me. I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. And I don't know if you've ever met the stuffer that then somehow turns into the Hulk, right? Because they stuff so much that it's just gone down so deep that literally it's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I told you I'm fine, you know, and and they just erupt, right? And and, and that's the Hulk. And and then maybe you've met this person, um, the screamer, 
I don't know if you've ever met the screamer. Nobody likes the screamer in a conflict, right? They just scream everything that they're feeling, right? Nothing's fine, but everything is worth a scream, right? And the problem with all of these different forms of trying to get to fine and fair is that very rarely does everyone get there the same way. It's because very rarely does everyone see the problem the same way. You see, most people see the problem through the lens that they are not the problem. There's a problem. There's definitely a problem. The problem's not me. The problem's you. And this is the tension that we face when it comes to conflict. And James, the brother of Jesus, actually has quite a few fascinating things to say about when we are faced with a conflict in our relationships. So I'd love for you to grab your Bibles, and we're going to look at three very poignant verses here tonight uh, that are written by James, the brother of Jesus. They're found on page 848. It's James chapter 4. And I don't know how many of you grew up with uh, siblings. I grew up with two younger brothers. And uh, my brothers are basically where I learned how to do conflict, right? Uh, I mean, this was my educational system when it came to tension and fighting and quarrels was my two younger brothers, right? And can you just imagine being James? I mean, poor James. His brother is Jesus, okay? Talk about fights not ever being fair, right? I mean, it was never going to work out in his favor. I mean, the son of God is your brother, How unfair is that? So uh, James has some very fascinating things to say to us. Um, We're on page 848, James 4, verse 1. Let's read this. It says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We're going to stop right there for a second. So James starts out these three little verses uh, with quite an interesting question, doesn't he? He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? It's a dangerous question, because the question in and of itself could literally cause a fight, right? I mean, what causes fights and quarrels among you? If if I literally said to you for the next few moments, like, why don't you turn and and talk to the people around you, and especially if these people are close to you, they're your good friends or family members or spouses, you know, and why don't you ask them, what do you think is the reason why we have fights and quarrels? I guarantee in a matter of like two minutes, a fight would break out in this room, okay? It's a dangerous question that James asks. And he starts out with this tough question, and then he goes on to answer the question with another question. He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You see, James, he gets personal right away. He says, you know why you fight. You know, you know why you have quarrels. It's because of what's inside of you. He, he doesn't say it's, it's because those other people over there, they have a really bad conflict rule book. 
He, he doesn't say it's because everyone else is, is really messed up when it comes to conflict and they don't know how to resolve it. He says it's because of you. That there's these desires that battle within you. And we're quick to think that it's everyone else, aren't we? If all these people would just sort of, you know, play off the same rule book, well, then I would win and there wouldn't be a problem, right? And James is pretty clear here. He says there is a tension in each of us. And that tension is your desires. Our desires are what create tensions with others. What you want, what I want, this is how we get into tensions. You see, if if you're looking to win in an argument, if you're looking to win in a quarrel, if you're looking to win in a disagreement, if you're looking to win in a fight, James says the best place for you to start is to start by looking within. If you're looking to win, you have to start by looking within. If you're looking to win, you have to start by looking within. James says it's really clear. They come from the desires that battle within you. Not them. You. And you fight and you quarrel and you have conflict because you want something. And you're not getting it. You see, we, we all, we all want to win, don't we? We all want something. We all want to be heard. We all want to be understood. We all want our way. We all want to be seen. We all want to be accepted. We want. We have desires within us. And it's part of our nature. And every time we take our wants and we make them dependent on someone else satisfying those wants, our desires get us into trouble every single time. It's like we take our hope for happiness and we look for someone to meet that hope for us. I've got this hope for happiness. I've got this hope for happiness. Who's going to meet this hope for my happiness? And we put our hope for happiness into the hands of someone else. And what happens when we do that is we start to blame others for our unhappiness. And when we do that, we end up remaining unhappy. You see, when you take your hope for happiness and you give it to the person that you are in a conflict with, we are essentially saying, I can't be happy unless you allow it. I can't be happy unless you allow it. And James very clearly in the next verse says, this, this is a cycle of death. Like, this is really dangerous. And James goes on to say, you desire, but you do not have. You have these desires in you, but you do not have. So you kill. Strong language, right? So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. Now, you don't literally kill. But you start to kill the relationship, don't you? You start to kill the relationship with your unspoken expectations. 
You start to kill the relationship with, with the fact that you power up and you, and you want to make sure that, you know, you know where you're at in the posture of, of the relationship. Like, am I up here or am I down here? And am I ahead of this person or am I below this person? And you power up in the relationship. You start to kill the relationship by belittling. You start to kill the relationship through criticism or through shame, through hurtful words, through the silent treatment Blaming the other person for your problems. And James says very clearly, instead of killing the relationship, instead of handing over the hope for your happiness to someone else, maybe, maybe you should hand over your hope to God. James goes on and he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive be- Because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I mean, James says very clearly, you don't ask God. You don't ask God. You're asking everybody else. You're you're trying to find your happiness from somebody else. and, and, And James is saying you need to take that desire to God. And you're wanting everyone else to give you the hope that you're looking for. And only God can do that. And, and then he goes on to say, and even when you do come and when you do pray and you do ask, you're usually asking God with the wrong motives in the first place. Maybe, maybe you've done this. You find yourself in a quarrel. You find yourself in, a, in an argument or a disagreement or there's a tension in a relationship. And you think, okay, God, you know what? All right. I read James. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go to God. So I'm going to pray. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay, God, here I am. You and me, we're talking. God, here's the problem. He's the problem. God, will you please help him? He is so unbelievably selfish. God, I mean, really, will you please? You've got to help her. The only person she thinks about God is herself. God, I, I don't know what to do. I don't, know, I don't know where to begin, but you've got to help her grow up and start to take some responsibility, God. God, I mean, he is making a mess of his life. You need to help him out, please, God. God, really, I mean, do I need to do your job for you? And oftentimes, when we are dealing with conflict and tension, We go to God to solve the problem with all the wrong motive, don't we? And James is not confused here on the new rules for relationships when it comes to conflict. You see, if you're looking to win, if you're looking to win, you have to start by looking within. Tension always starts with you. Tension always starts with me. In fact, think about your most recent conflict. Think about the most recent tension that you had with another person. How do you think it would change if you took responsibility for what you really wanted? Think about what, what you really wanted in the relationship, what you, what you really were desirous of. How, how would that conflict have changed? If you could take responsibility for what you really wanted. 
You see, every time you have a conflict, every time I have a conflict, we want something. We want something. And the reason we have a conflict is because somebody else wants something. There's something you want. And James is pretty honest here with us, isn't he? He even says that we're willing to hurt, to get it. We want something. There's desires within us that we're even willing to hurt to get it. And and we can even find good ways to defend this, can't we? We we can sort of even make it sound a little bit better. But God, I I just wanted him to do what ultimately I knew he wanted to do. I mean, God, in the first place, he was the one that made this promise. I just wanted him to be able to fulfill that promise. But God, I, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to see her stop talking about all of those other people and you know, stop this vicious cycle of gossip, God. And you know, I, I was just processing it with somebody, God. I wasn't really gossiping. Mine was processed. Hers was gossip, you know? And, and, I mean, and, and we can even make it sound better, can't we? We hurt the people that are closest to us. Because they're closest to us. And we want something from them. We want something from them. You want something. I want something. And we find ourselves in conflicts and intentions when we don't get it. And so oftentimes, we do whatever it takes to get it. Can you imagine if we just started owning this idea in our relationships? Like if we really started owning this idea in our relationships, that we really want something. Can can you imagine the next time you're in a tension or the next time you're in a difficult conversation, if you literally did what James is saying here, you really stopped and you prayed and you began to look within You see, we get so obsessed with winning our fights or our arguments that we can't really see that in all of the time that we're trying to win the argument that we're actually losing. We're so consumed with winning that we end up losing. We end up losing trust, and we end up losing intimacy, and we end up losing relationship. We end up losing ground, and we end up losing love. And what if we really started to stop and to pray and to look within If in the middle of a conflict, could you just imagine if you were in the middle of a tension, in the middle of a maybe a quarrel, and you really chose in the moment to stop, like stop talking, to literally stop talking, to stop slicing someone up with your words or with your heart, to stop tearing someone down who was created in the image of God to stop seeing them as your enemy. Can you imagine what just stopping would do? And then to take the next step and begin to pray, to take a few seconds and say, God, I really want something. I really want something. I'm really tempted to try and get that something from this person, but God, I really want something right now. And to not do the like nice, 
oh God, how are you? I love you. I think you're awesome. But to really share what you're feeling with God. God, I want something. I am really mad at that person. I wanted them to understand me. I wanted them to stop judging me. I wanted to be understood by them. I wanted to be vindicated. I wanted to be right. God, I wanted to win this fight. God can handle it. He already knows you're thinking it. And can you just imagine if you were to truly stop and pray and to take those wants to God and then to allow God to help you look within. To maybe see that beneath that want, there's a very deep sadness about the relationship. Maybe you just feel very misunderstood. You feel like you just keep failing. And every time you fail, you try to prove yourself again. So you're misunderstood again. Can you just imagine if we were to just apply those three things to our quarrels, to our fights, how they would change? Every word that would come out of our mouth after us doing those three things would be different, wouldn't it? Maybe the first thing that we would start to say is, you know, part of the problem is that I really want something. I really want something from you. And I don't know how to ask you for it. Maybe you've, you've had these situations happen before in relationships. A couple weeks ago, uh, Jarrett and I were uh, on a date night, and we were uh, here in the neighborhood. We were over at a little taco restaurant, and... Um, we were just talking, we're sitting over in, in the corner, and we're just talking and having a good time and connecting, and um, I don't even remember totally how it came up, but one of us brought something up, and we started talking about a situation, and instantly, um, I felt a ton of sorrow, I felt a ton of sadness, um, I, f- I felt this trigger of emotions, And it was really strong. And I started to share with him while we're sitting, you know, over in the corner of this little taco restaurant, how I was feeling. And I started sharing what I was struggling with. And I started sharing about how, in the situation that we're talking about, that I just, I felt really misunderstood. I felt really um, questioned and judged. And um, I felt really rejected and... um, and we're sitting, you know, over in this corner of this restaurant, and I started to cry. And um, and Jared, you know, I, I could tell. I mean, he loves me so much and cares about me so much, and I could tell that he was watching me in this uh, pain, and he was watching me uh, just feel deeply about this rejection and feel deeply um, about this situation that we were talking about. And um, I could see in his eyes, uh, he wanted to do what um, 
men have done for centuries when they see women crying. Um, he wanted to fix the problem, right? And he loves me so much, and so I knew that it was coming from a great place inside of him. Um, the problem was that that's not what I wanted. And um, I could tell that he instantly um, went into this, like, I got to fix this problem, right? And I could see him, like, almost, like, start to sit up in his seat. Like, it's like he was getting into coach mode. Like, he was, like, developing a strategy. Like, he had plays running through his mind, you know. And, and I could see him just sort of looking at me like, babe, here's the thing. I know what you got to do. You got to move on, babe. You got to move on. You got to let this go. This is taking you down. This is taking you down too far. Here's what you got to do, honey. You got to walk away. You got to shake the dust off of you. And I'm like, I didn't even know there was dust on me. Like... <laughs> You know, and we're sitting in the corner of this taco restaurant, and, and he's literally just saying, you know, babe, this is what you got to do. And I'm pretty sure that everything that he was saying was really wise. And it was probably even good counsel. Parts of it were probably really right. I probably had some dust that needed to shake off. But it wasn't what I wanted. But I didn't tell him what I wanted. See, I wanted him to just sit with me. I wanted him to be okay that I was really messy and undone. I wanted him to be really sad with me. I didn't want a solution to the problem in that moment. I wanted to vent a little bit. I wanted him to share in my disappointment. I didn't want a solution, but I didn't know how to say that in the moment. Maybe you've been in a, a conversation like this. Maybe you, you've had these moments happen, and um, it started to escalate a little bit, um, and it didn't turn into like a full-blown fight. You know, we've had plenty of those, but it, it escalated enough into uh, a tense conversation and it was the kind of tense conversation where it was just like, you know what, we're probably better off to just not continue to have this conversation. And we sort of eventually subtly just sort of like changed the conversation. And later that night, um, I was feeling frustrated and I was feeling unknown and I was feeling um, like... What, what happened at the taco place? You know, like, what went wrong? And I realized I never said what I wanted. I just expected him to meet this need for me, and I never said, here's my need, will you meet it? I never communicated it. And more than that, I was looking for him to do something that only God can do. Only God can meet me in that place. Only God could have walked into that pain with me. And then I could have brought that to Jarrett. And the next morning, we, um, that was a Thursday night, Friday's um, our day off, and so we had taken the kids to school, and we went and did our grocery shopping, and we were, you know, unpacking the groceries in the kitchen, and we were talking, and um, I was like, hey, you know, could we... Can we talk about you know, last night at the taco restaurant? 
He's like, those were great tacos, weren't they? I'm like, yeah, awesome tacos. I was like, I, I want to I talk about the other part. It's like, I wanted something from you. And I should have gone to God for that. And I was looking for you to fill this space in my life that only God can fill. And I'm really sorry. I didn't say what it was that I needed, and I didn't say what it was that I wanted from you. And so, you know, you were sort of left to just sort of figure out, okay, well, how, what is it she wants? How can I fix this? Where can I go? And I should have told you. And I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? You see, if you're looking to win, you have to start looking within. Not just win the argument, but if you are looking to win in your life, win in understanding yourself, win in hearing from God, you have to start looking within. And when we begin to own, and when we begin to take responsibility for how we contributed to the conflict, we begin to see unbelievable transformation. But you know what happens so often? People fear owning their part in the relationship, owning their part in the conflict, owning their part in the breakdown, because they fear that if they own their part in the breakdown, that they're going to lose some sort of leverage in the relationship, right? And so what they do is they just they keep this score going. Well, you always do this. You never do this. You should do this. And when we look within, we can begin to see that even the tension, even the conflict, even the difficulty, even the quarrel, even the fight can become a curriculum to reveal what's really in our heart. God loves our heart. He's passionate about it. And he loves the process of helping us to look within so that we can really see what it is that we want. Psalm 37, 4 says, when we take delight in the Lord, when we invite him to look within, he will give us the desires of our heart. We all desire something, don't we? James says it very clear. We all want something. We all desire something. And it is God who wants to meet you in that desire. And we're going to spend a few moments taking those wants and taking those desires to him right now. I'm going to invite the band to, to come up and we're going to spend a few moments worshiping and reflecting. And I have a question for you. Are you looking for someone to do what only God can do for you? Are you looking for someone to do what only God can do for you? 
You see, if you, if you give this tension that you're in, or if you give this conflict that you're in right now, the right position, and you actually let it serve as a curriculum, a curriculum in your life as to why you quarrel and fight, the tension can actually be used for great good in your life. You know, I don't necessarily go looking for conflict in my life. But I will tell you, after many, many years now, I don't fear it. I don't fear it anymore. And I don't say that with pride or with arrogance. I say that because God has used conflict in my life to be a great curriculum to grow me. God has used tension over and over and over again to transform me. It has been one of the greatest gifts that God has given to me. And the people that are closest to me in my life, I have walked through a conflict or two or three or four or five or many more with them. And we have found ourselves on the other side. And I have found that conflict has not become about someone or something that I'm fighting with, but rather something that I am fighting for. And that fighting for is to allow God to look within and to see what is really in my heart, what it is that I really want, that I really desire. And friends, isn't anything, isn't anything that is worth something worth fighting for? Isn't anything, anything that is worth something, it's worth fighting for, isn't it? And I've got to be really honest with you. I see people run so far away from the opportunity of being hurt. And I'm not a big proponent to say go run into hurt. But I've got to be really honest. If you aren't ever hurt, where do you grow? If you aren't ever hurt, where do you grow? We transform oftentimes when someone lets us down. And when someone lets us down, it is an opportunity to look within. We begin to change. We begin to transform when one of those tightly held expectations that we have in our life is not met. It doesn't feel good. It isn't fun. But we begin to grow. We become more of who Christ created us to be when we taste the conflict instead of ignore the conflict. And see, we have the capacity, and God invites us into this, we have the capacity to identify with God in our humanity at the very deepest level when we walk through battles instead of avoiding them. And... God says very clearly that he wants to grow us. He wants to grow us through conflict. And if you are in the middle of one, if there is some tension, don't run away. Don't run away. Whatever you do, don't run away. But run straight into it. Because I believe you will meet God there. You will meet God there, and I believe 
I believe with all of my heart that he will begin to transform you. In fact, Jesus, um, who is the ultimate picture of reconciliation for us, you know, we were in broken relationship with God and God gave us his son Jesus so that we would be reconciled to God so that the relationship would be healed and so that we could learn how to be reconciled with one another. And Jesus is deeply passionate about this. In fact, in the book of Matthew, um, when people used to come to a, to a worship gathering, when they used to go to um, the temple to worship, oftentimes they would bring gifts, much like we do when we receive an offering, and they would, they would bring uh, gifts back to God. They would bring their offerings to him. And Jesus is so passionate about his children being reconciled with one another that he literally says in Matthew 5, 23, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and you there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to that person and then come and then come and offer your gift. And in a moment, uh, we're going to come to a somewhat metaphorical altar. We're going to take our resources and we're going to give them back to God and we're going to lift our voices and we're going to sing to him and we're going to worship and we're going to pray. And some of you need to listen very clearly to the teaching of Jesus right here. And before you do that, before you offer your gift to God, you need to stop. You need to pray. You need to look within. Some of you already know. You need to send a text message. You need to look around for a piece of paper and you need to start writing a note. In fact, when we stand up here in a moment, we begin to sing. The best thing that you can do is to actually grab your phone Go out into the lobby or out onto Adams Street and you need to make a phone call. And you need to go and you need to be reconciled. God so longs, God so longs to meet you in the midst of this space. And he will give you the courage and the strength People ask me regularly, like, you know, how do you really know? How do you really know when God's telling you to do something? And those of you that have that feeling right now, that feeling like, dang it, I think that's me. I think I'm the one that's supposed to make that call. I'm the one that's supposed to write that note, or I'm the one that's supposed to send that message. That's not me talking to you. That's your heavenly father. It's his son, Jesus, who loves you. And that's his Holy Spirit that so longs for you to be reconciled and restored. So I'm going to pray for us. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to boldly do what Jesus is asking you to do. And so, Father, we, we come before you right now and we ask that you would give us courage and that you would give us boldness. And God, we confess to you that we feel fear. 
we're afraid that we're going to say the wrong thing or we're going to do the wrong thing or we're going to make the, the conflict worse. And God, we want to ask that you would replace our fear with faith. God, our hearts, our hearts feel broken and our hearts feel so vulnerable. God, we know that we want something and we've been looking for that something in the wrong place. And so we are redirecting our eyes and our hearts on you. Asking for you to heal us, to mend us, and to make us whole again. We love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.